because there's no methadone for football. It's the Inactives with Matt Ufford and Nick Stevens. Welcome to the Inactives. I'm Matt Ufford of SB Nation, joined by one of the most diehard Patriots fans on the internet, Nick Stevens. Hey, how's it going? Fuck. What? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You, I, for like two hours before we recorded, once we confirmed start time this morning, I had rolling around in my head like a pinball in a salad bowl just going all over the place and it couldn't figure out where it belonged. The thought was, I wonder what just dickish enough but not too dicky way Ufford is going to want to open this episode of the podcast because he was one of the many millions of temporary and now satisfied Eagles fans all across this great nation of ours. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I I figured that would be, you know, you wouldn't want to go like a real subcutanean dig. You wouldn't want to like see me bleed out or scar, but you would just want to like bee sting me a little bit, just enough to be like like a really annoying uh, gnat. Just a little needle. Yeah, like, you know, it was a really good, it was like a horsefly bite. Just a little, just a little prick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> well, you are a little prick, so. But we're uh, not going to, it's it's now Friday uh, after, it's been five days. Uh, you've had time to lick your wounds, get move on, uh, embrace the off season. But um, I'm not going to rehash the entire game. But one thing that I want to do is I genuinely want to get a feel because the Patriots have always been, you know, zombie Patriots, always getting back up and and, and never never down for the count until the clock reads all zeros. So uh, on a scale of like, just give me a percentage of how sure you were that the Patriots were going to win uh, at, at these moments, the Eagles were held to a field goal and uh, had a tentative six-point lead, 32-26, to 26, with 14 minutes left in the game. How are you feeling? What was the, the, the Pats' win percentage in your mind at that point? At that point, the win percentage was 60 to 65%. Yeah, you're feeling good? Yes, because I knew there was no way they weren't going to march down the field and score a touchdown there. Mm-hmm. I, and I knew that there was no way they were going to hold the Eagles the rest of the game and then bang out two field goals and that we would go to overtime 32 to 32. That would just that's that's too freakish. There's no predictor or chart for that. But I figured there's a two thirds chance they would win that game because I knew they would score. I just had no faith in my defense. None, yeah. none, what less than none whatsoever. Not only just because of the beyond head-scratching decision to not not start Butler. That's fine. I'm okay with that for whatever schematic or game plan reasons. But as you watch your defense just you know, piss themselves all over the field all night long, generating no clutch stops, how could he not generate any sort of assistance or make one or two of the tackles or stops necessary to secure the win? Yeah, there's... There's been a lot of talk about uh, Malcolm Butler obviously not playing and, and why didn't he and, and oh, well, he hadn't been playing well, blah, blah, blah. But one of the plays that I came back to, I watched um, uh, the mic'd up segment of, or it was like a 40-minute uh, show 
on YouTube last night from the oh NFL. the NFL sound effects yeah yeah that's that's always and great even in defeat. One of the plays that jumped out to me was that hasn't been talked so much is the Eagles had a third down conversion in the third quarter where Nelson Aguilar slipped a tackle from Jordan Adebosi. Johnson jo- Bat jo- A Johnson Batamosi B. Let me jump back real quick as you as you're going to finish this. When I was at media night, every single Patriots player I spoke to went from general footbally to surprisingly cool and very nice, except Good. for one Patriot. Johnson Batamosi was an absolute ass clown. Really? Gave me the worst interview ever. We actually played it on my radio show. Specifically, we played it on WAF because I funneled some of the interviews back there and I did some stuff for the Patriots. So I was pleasing a lot of masters when I was out there, Mm -hmm. both doing the Not Done Network and the radio. I funneled that one back and I said, we have to play this and let my my co-host, who was in studio at the time, stop it several times and just laugh out loud at how awful it was. How, How was it awful? He... Cut off every question I had halfway through the question and just said, great. Like Marshawn Lynch is 10 times the interview Johnson Batamosi is. He's got a horrible attitude. He's a social justice warrior. And I think he hates. I I can't go out on a limb and say this because I don't want it to come back and bite me on the tip. But at the same and you know, I don't want to bite the hand that fed me last week. But I don't think he likes uh, either football fans or football fans who want to be funny or Caucasian football fans who want to think they're fun. I don't know what it was, but, man, he was the worst. And I said after that, I said to myself, I was like, man, I am going to be pissed off. But if if and when you make a play that shits the bed in the Super Bowl, but you know what? If there's one guy in this team that I almost want to see fail Sunday, and then lo and behold, he whiffs on that effing tackle of Aguilar on third and four when he should have wrapped him up but shoulder tackled him. Yeah. Also, you don't. When your name is, when I'm calling you Jordan Adebosi instead of Johnson Batamosi, you don't quite have the cachet to pull off the I'm cutting off uh, questions with just one-word answers at the Super Bowl media day. No, you should, when you've got someone who says, hi, I'm with Patriots.com, big fan, can I just get a minute or two for a fun, quick interview? I let in Matt by saying, Here's the, you know, something like, you know, smiley, just like, hey, he's the winner. He's got the coolest name on the Patriots. He's your favorite new player. Um, Something where he should have, like, seen, like, oh, this guy's going to be cool with me and he's not going to mock me at all. And he just decided, like, nah, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. A a, a former Cleveland Browns special teamer turned into break glass if necessary – utility special teams and secondary player for the Patriots in the Super Bowl with a chance to make a name for himself. And now he is the scourge of one and many a Pats fan, this one in particular. Wow. Well, uh, I didn't mean to, uh, to, to, to get, get so. Oh no, I've been dying to say this for you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing, you doing that. And, uh, when it happened too, I was I just yelled at the TV. I think I may have scared my five year old too. And it's just like, see, I told you, Batamosi, you prick. Uh, so let's let's get back to your feelings. Yep. The Pats down thirty eight to thirty three. Three plus minutes left. Tom Brady has the ball. How are you feeling? Yeah, there's like 
I think it was like two minutes, 22 seconds left. There was a little less time on the clock. There was a little more time than when he got the ball against Pittsburgh and only needed the one where he threw three passes down the field to Gronk and then Deion Lewis ran it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was less time than when he went on the game-winning drive against the Jags. So we yeah. had seen it happen several times this season, and in the Super Bowl especially, where Brady has either only last year tied it up, but in every other Super Bowl gave the Patriots the lead in the fourth quarter. At that point, I was 100% sure he was scoring a touchdown. Uh, I still didn't think they were going to win because just like in the Pittsburgh game, with the 69-yard broken screen to Juju Smith-Schuster, where another guy that I never want to see on the field again, let alone did I not want to see in the field then, Jordan Richards, who played way too much in Super Bowl 52 for my liking in that awful scheme, uh, tried to make another shoulder tackle. And I I was thoroughly convinced, like, okay, he's going to march down the field. He's 100% going to score here. So it's only a matter of... Is it going to be 39-38, 40-38, or will they go for two and get it and make it 41-38? And I was Mm. still pretty sure the Eagles would then get a game-tying field goal. Okay. So the Brandon Graham strip was the shocker, for sure. Yeah. There's there have been a fair amount of people who are like, yeah, I hate the Eagles and the Pats, uh, but it wasn't until Tom Brady fumbled where I was like, oh, I want the Eagles to win. I get it. Yeah. And that was some Michigan on Michigan crime, by the way. It was. It was. Yeah. It was a great, um, pl- great play by him. And I haven't watched. That's the one. I mean, I don't want to go back and watch any of the game, really. No. But I, well, in time, I wouldn't mind because of Brady's, you know, overall performance. I mean, some of the passes he made in that game were just uh, out of this world. Just like some of the passes Foles made were virtually incomprehensible, especially from somebody who hadn't been a starter for a couple of years and was not supposed to play that well but a friend who's watched it several times said I was like what really did he not make the read did he did he just not feel the pressure and um Brandon Graham does that the Eagles do that thing where they overload by there and try to get the faster guy on the guard and by the time Brady took three steps and just pulled the ball up Graham was already in his face it yeah I know Brady is awesome at being like John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever, just like he's a disco dancer in the pocket at times and just slides and moves to where he to where he feels he should go. But I don't think there's any way he could have gotten beyond that. That was just somebody making a sick move. It really was. Um, and then the last time that, that I want to know how he felt, 105 left. The, the Pats held the Eagles to a three and out and kicked the field goal. Down eight, 105 left. Before the kickoff happens, how are you feeling? Um, not good, Bob. Not good. <laughs> Unterrific. Uh, at that point, if I had to slide my money towards a final score, my money was going to go on 41-39. You thought they were going to get the touchdown but miss the two-point? Yes, just like in the Denver AFC Championship a few years ago when Brady hit Gronk on a 50-yarder. For, it was like 4th and twelve hit Gronk on a 50-yard bomb down the seam, zipped it into the end zone, and then with 20 seconds left because Guskowski had, once again, in a big game, I hate to say it, man, that guy misses way too many extra points for highest-paid kicker in the league in big games. Uh, but they uh, they had to go for two, and he missed Gronk on the right side, tried, pumped it for Edelman, Denver broke it up, and that was that. Wow. Yeah. Well, 
I will say this, and one of the things that that I was one of the things that that bums me out about the Russell Wilson interse- interception that ended Super Bowl Forty Nine, not just because it gave the Seahawks an L, but because it actually by that one moment being the thing that people think about, it actually detracts from how great the entire game was, how bold both coaches were in that game, and how great uh, how many great individual plays were made. And I think that this Eagles-Pats Super Bowl will be more remembered for a series of memorable plays. Like, Philly Special is going to get its due, and uh, same with the, the strip sack of Brady, but you can't throw for 500 yards and just be overlooked. And I think that this game will be rightly recognized as a classic. I think it should be. And that's why I think I'll be able to go back. and. I have no interest in watching Super Bowl 42 or 46. By and large, both of those games were snoozy for long yeah. stretches. Yeah, the, um, the, not a lot of the memorable helmet moments. catch game was, had a great finish, but it was really boring for three quarters. Yeah, great fourth quarter uh, with three touchdowns scored. And Super Bowl Forty Six really just was maybe even of the last decade's worth of Super Bowls, not just because of the outcome for me as a Patriots fan. I think I would probably put that last in terms of entertainment value. That was uh, well, some people would probably say Super Bowl Forty Eight, but then you would turn around, then you'd turn around and be like, Nah, that I was found pretty it fun. pretty entertaining. <laughs> maybe some people would say Super Bowl Fifty, but I think I was so compelled in that game because I found that game more interesting because. The, it was such a great defensive struggle, and you had Cam Newton at the height of his physical prowess playing so poorly, and you had just such a gimpy Manning. It was, I don't know, I, I that was one of the only times I enjoyed watching two great, great defenses Same. go at it. But Super Bowl Forty Six was a kind of a garbage fest. 52 is a supremely entertaining. I'm glad to hear that you and I imagine a lot of other Writers, pundits, bloggers, fans, etc., whatever title you slap to yourself for football consumer. I'm glad to hear they would say that it's an entertaining game because, I mean, for 60 minutes, were you not compelled? Were you not entertained? Did it not give you everything you would have asked for and then some? 74 points scored? Dude, there were two-thirds of a mile of offense. Yeah, it was great. Um, I have no complaints about that game whatsoever. It was highly entertaining. Uh, It was... It, it never got out of control one way or the other, and uh, neither team out out and out shot itself in the dick, which is what Patriots opponents enjoy doing. Oh, I mean, you know the 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 fearlessness the fearlessness with which the Eagles played should be more the blueprint. By the way, everyone at home, don't buy one of those phones where the base announces the number because. You can't tell that robot hoe to just <laughs> shut it at any time. All right, we get it. Thank you. Call from. Like, like I hear gravy. the phone ringing. The phone rings for a reason. Like, you don't have to, Hold like, on. give me additional details. Yeah, all right. Entertain the audience for a second while I unplug and throw this phone against the wall. All right, all right, sure. Call from. It should, if it's going to tell you who it's from, it would be like, call from your mother. I don't know. And I just don't answer my phone when anybody calls. It's got to be like my wife, and she has to have like previously scheduled time. Otherwise, I'm not picking up the phone. I, b- I barely enjoy podcasting. I'm not going to pick up a phone. What? I did. Hello, Nick. Uh, that was back. fun. Hi, guys. Sorry about that. No, so it was, it was really compelling audio that we had I, going. I was going to say, I'm sure you engaged the audience in a manner that, um, well, few other sort of football dad casts can. Uh, 
No, I, everything about the game, super fun, super entertaining. The Patriots always make for good Super Bowl. None of them, they all have literally come down to the wire. Even the yeah. last 46 was a Hail Mary at the end. This one comes down to a Hail Mary at the end. Uh, I think, listen, I've seen it on the, I've seen it, I've read it. I've seen it. I've listened to it all week. This wasn't one of the games where I couldn't listen to a sports radio show or I couldn't watch sports TV afterwards. As a matter of fact, this may have been the Patriots' end end of season or Super Bowl defeat where I wanted to hear other opinions and takes and spin on the game and the decisions made more than any other as well. I mean, come on. Eight Super Bowls made, 5-1. Your favorite football player plays like a stud. A championship effort from him, Gronk, all the guys. Yeah. I, have, I have no complaints. That's why I could probably go back and watch it again one day, if not soon. I'd love to hear from you, though. Why do you think Belichick not only made the decision that he made, but stubbornly stuck with it to what I think anyone with a, a working brain would say was to his team's detriment? The whole scheme where they tried to play with the safeties as corners and play a big nickel front, never bringing in Malcolm Butler, who by all accounts did have an off season, almost 800 yards allowed, nine touchdowns. So he wasn't perfect by any stretch, but kid could tackle. And he's got, obviously, as we've seen, pretty good instinct as well. Yeah. I think it's hubris, honestly. Um, I do too. Because the last time, I think that we just, we... I say we, as in both Pats fans and the NFL watching public in general, just assume that because Belichick is the greatest ever, that he's also infallible. And those two things are not necessarily, or like one can be true without the other necessarily also going along with it. And we saw it with the 18 and 0 Pats, where all game long, the underneath throws to Welker were there, but Brady was going deep to, to Moss. They were trying to push the downfield game when that wasn't available to them. And it wasn't until uh, the fourth quarter when Belichick finally was like, oh, we'll just take what's given to us, and the Pats offense finally clicked into place. And we haven't seen him really make a glaring coaching error in a big, in a big game like this um, since, since that 18-0 team lost the Super Bowl to the, to the Giants. And, and I think it's just, yeah, just hubris. I, I think that Couldn't he also more. I think he doubted like many people doubted Nick Foles's ability to make the throws that he made because a lo- in a lot of cases the coverage would have been just good enough against a quarterback who played like Nick Foles in the wild card round or rather the uh, the second round of the playoffs right uh, in the divisional the, round where he the, was the Nick Foles meh. of week 16 with that coverage would have been good enough but the Nick Foles of the NFC championship in the Super Bowl nope that guy was wired tight. He was, but also that guy, Matt, had, and I'm sure you heard this last night on Sound Effects, Belichick told Matt Patricia, and, oh, boy, not anyone's favorite note to put on their resume as they head off to a new job, but uh, bookending the season with 538-yard performances, one where you give up 42 points, one where you give up 41. Uh he said after three quarters, like, you got to find a way. We have to find a way to get pressure Dial on the pressure. quarterback. you yeah. got to do something. But why did it take three quarters? You could see even – I know the Patriots are notorious for almost allowing other teams to drive early because they want to see what your game plan is, how you're moving, what matchups you're trying to isolate. But I think it was glaringly apparent to anyone who'd ever 
watched a football game before that this wasn't about how Philadelphia was going to attack. They were just going to attack all game. And if Foles had time to throw, you know, his 27-2 and season from 2013 was going to come roaring back. And they had talent aplenty, great tight ends, good running backs, good to very good receivers, and an offensive line that was going to buy him all day and then maybe a yeah. couple hours the next morning. They just they couldn't get you know Pat's it's one of the this is when those things like oh Patriots were like ninth in the league in sacks this year was super deceiving because in a lot of games when they get a huge lead or they play another team with an offensive line that's patchwork at best I mean some of those teams they played where they got a bunch of sacks like against Tennessee the Jets like the Army Corps of Engineers would have looked at that line and been like nah bro you got to blow this up they yeah were, I, th- I think that uh, the concentration of talent for the Patriots offense uh, is g- starts showing up when you look at that defense and as soon as you lose Dante Hightower you know Trey Flowers is the only really talented player they have on the that, that's rushing the passer and then elsewhere in, in the, on the defense like the only guys that I look at and say that's a really quality player are uh, uh, Stefan Gilmore and Devin McCourty yeah and after and after that I'm like who else? Who else is even a name on the Pats' defense that that like really? Right. I find I find inspiring and a quality player. Whereas the entire offense is every skill position. I'm like, oh, that guy's good. Yeah, like it goes back to like that funny generic football video you and Susanna Collins made a few years ago for SB Nation. The Patriots' defense is like camp body, taxi squad guy, yeah. under <laughs> underrated dude, and playing over his head secondary person schemed up yes exactly (laughs) schemed up Uh, no that's and that's the problem and that's why they generated no pressure that's why they couldn't get after him so Nick Foles was able to do what a computer would have done Mm -hmm. if given five to seven seconds to throw the ball man um yeah that's I've talked to like all the guys that I would would have wanted to watch the game with Patriots friends back in Brooklyn, guys that I talked to about football up here, to a man. They were all bummed, but the whole, like, wow, it's more fun to have been there than not at all. And, yeah, because Brady came out of it looking so good, I don't feel that bad after all, is kind of to a man, the takeaway and the feeling. So yeah, that's why it's Friday, and I'm, I, was, I was fine even Tuesday. The last thing that I want to say about the Super Bowl, and then we'll close it up, is that I, I want to say that uh, that Eagles team, first of all, there was not a lot from 2016 that would, because they, they, the Eagles really leaned into the we're underdogs, nobody believes in us. Yep. But there wasn't much from 2016 that suggested this was an Eagles team that was going to stand up to the spotlight. Even though they had an incredibly talented roster, uh, especially when Carson Wentz went down, you have Nick Foles, and he had you know two to three years of being mediocre at best, and you had Doug Peterson, who seemed fine, but not exactly the sort of guy who was going to match wits with Bill Belichick in, in the big, on the biggest stage, um, and you had all these all these little things that were like, oh, the Eagles are very talented team of players, but there wasn't anything that we saw in the 2016 season that really suggested like, oh, this team is going to be, watch out for them in 2017. 
And but that's a team that came together uh, in a great way. And Doug Peterson really the entire year uh, apparently had like analytics guys in his ears talking about success, uh, success probabilities and uh, was a bold coach. And that's what it was going to take to, to unseat the Patriots. And the celebrations, watching the celebrations have made me glad that like the Eagles, uh, the Eagles won just because Jason Kelsey at the parade yesterday dressed up in the Mummers costume and delivering like a WWE SummerSlam promo of a, of a victory speech was, it, it kind of made it worth it for me because I was like, wow, that's, they are really embracing the moment and having oh, a blast yeah. it. Yeah, man, they wanted it. It had been a long time. They were starved for it. They earned it. I had no problem watching that yesterday. The only takeaway for me was, can I imagine or could you imagine the national outrage <laughs> If one Patriots player, like if Gronk lets slip like a single F-bomb or even just like, a, you know, Jason Kelsey drops like five or six on TV and it's like, that's, a, you know, like, oh, this is charming. Uh, and it's just because like the same way the Patriots are judged on the sliding. No, they, they would not. No, that, that's. No, that's hold, on, hold, on, and- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, the long, it's not about the team. It's, it's more about the team, not the region. The enti- this entire region is judged on the success of the team, whereas in Philadelphia, it's like, ah, it's Philly. It's fun. They're, they've been waiting for this. They deserved it. They earned it. I think it's, it's, all, the, it's all about the player, right? It's not the, it's not the team. Like, if Gronk gets up there and drops some F-bombs, like, fuck yeah, let's party, people will be like, yeah, that, that Gronk it's is Gronk. adorable. If, if Tom Brady gets up there and is like, fuck yeah, it's like, hey, you're Tom, Tom Brady. Don't try to inspire yeah, me. Yeah, come like, on like, Go back to Hawk and TB12 stuff. Right. Go. Yeah. Uh, go back to getting a, a, a long massage um, and being and you know and selling Aston Martins. Uh, it, it is interesting though because Jason Kelsey goes from Sunday night post game, the eloquent, emotional speech about how his grandfather used to read him that Calvin Coolidge quote, yeah. and how meaningful this moment was, and how introspective and emotional he's crying at the podium, and then he literally turns into like a berserker from like an orc from Helm's Deep wearing the Mummer's costume. He looks like him, a Mar- he looks like a Mardi Gras Aladdin berserker out there. I called him a monster energy genie. <laughs> Bingo. That um, was great, man. They they earned it and they burned it yesterday and uh hey, don't forget if you're a long-time listener to this podcast, you'll remember I was hype on the Eagles early on. You and we- actually you said that Nick Foles is going to have no trouble uh, moving the ball. And nope. you correctly I, identified the Pats' weak defense and that Nick Foles is going to have a great game. Yeah, I, I did in our in our Super Bowl preview pod. And then early in the season, like August or early September, I was hype on the Eagles. I said they were going to win the NFC East. They were going to make a long run in the playoffs. I didn't necessarily see them going to the Super Bowl, but I was hype on them because I thought they brought in just enough talent. Uh, the running backs, obviously – a little defensive uh, veteran presence helped out and went a long way. And uh, now they are, they're stocked and locked for a while to come. Do you, do you, Matt Ufford, temporary GM, do you hold on to Foles the entirety of next season? Do you deal him at the deadline-ish time for some value? Or do you say, whoa, boy, this stock is never going to have more value. Thanks, um, your daughter was adorable, and now you're playing for the Jets. I listen to offers. So 
I think that if somebody offers you a first rounder, I I might take it. Nick Foles, a first rounder for Nick Foles. I mean, just think about it. Like Jimmy Garoppolo only netted the the Pats a second round. It should have been a first. They should have. Uh, please, he should have been at least a first. So, uh, and Alex Smith just got traded for what a third rounder and a starter, a yeah. starting cornerback. So yeah, third rounder and a starting cornerback. I think that that Nick Foles. This is. I don't want to take anything away from uh, the performance that he just had in the playoffs. He clearly excels in uh, an option-driven system. Uh, he, he benefits from the – I hate to call it a college offense. It's just a football offense now. But when you, you have quick reads and, and uh, he just plays better in that. Oh, 100%. And wouldn't he be, now wouldn't a guy I wouldn't send him to Jacksonville cuz I don't think he's such a significant upgrade over a Bortles and I don't no. think they would be interested. But are you going to tell me that the Arizona Cardinals wouldn't benefit from his acquisition yeah. immediately? Yeah. And he's clearly and he's clearly like a high character uh guy who's a good leader. Like he he's very comfortable in that, but he also very obviously loves being with the Eagles organization, the organization that drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um and Carson Wentz might not be ready week one. You might yeah, need Nick will. Foles yeah, for, for three or four or five starts at the beginning of the season. So, but that also, that also isn't taking into account how willing Howie, uh, Howie, Rose, Howie Roseman. Roseman. Yeah, Howie Roseman. Uh, Howie Roseman is to, to trading players. Who got players. some shout-outs yesterday, too, and well-deserved as well. Howie Roseman and, and his ability to build a, ro- a roster. And he also loves himself some quarterback depth. Like this is a guy who had uh, Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz and uh, what's his butt uh, uh, Drew Brees is understudy. Chase uh, Daniels. Chase Daniel. Uh, yeah. a, a year and a half ago, had those three guys on the roster and then dealt Sam Bradford for a first rounder. So this uh, is I, I, yeah. I could see I could see Howie Roseman dealing Nick Foles and then reinvesting in another backup quarterback. Uh, uh, you know, a, a mid-level veteran, or in the draft, even uh, taking a quarterback late. So, can't see him going to the Giants. I could see him working out in Arizona. Minnesota would benefit from him significantly because they've got a good offensive line. They've got a boss defense. He's yeah. got targets, and as of next year, they'll have two big backs. Your your Blunt and your Ajayi will be Dalvin Cook, who should be fine for the start of the season with Latavius Murray and you've got your scat back your Clement in the form of McKinnon like that's that's where I think and if they you know if it wouldn't be that sort of weird deal where it's like uh Minnesota calls up and like skull we'd like to deal for the quarterback that beat us in the NFC championship then that's where I think Cousins should go yeah Cousins would uh, that they would be I would almost say like Kirk Cousins in Minnesota would be a very good a very good deal like that's, oh, I'd say book the retu- I book the NFC Championship rematch if Cousins went to Minnesota. I th- I have a feeling though that the Vikings are probably going to try to re-sign Teddy Bridgewater on the cheap, and and then I don't know. I, I is he still a chip? Do you think he can still? We don't really. I guess we don't know. Yeah, I I, I think that he could sign like a a one or two year sort of like prove it as a backup deal and. Or I just don't know what the Vikings are going to do. I have no idea what the Vikings will do. And what they ultimately decide is going to set some dominoes in, into motion. So uh, For sure. And then, of course, yeah, and then your your Brownies have two. They have first and four. I mean, if they're ever 
<laughs> if the if Browns ever are ever s- going to stop sucking, it's got to happen soon because you can't do better than the, uh, the first and fourth overall. Are you kidding me? That's why. I mean, that's why if Kirk Cousins really he wants to win, I guess. But if he just wanted money, I'd be like, listen, guys, you pay me thirty five million a season. I'll come in. I'll catch a shark. I'll cut him. I'll fillet him. I'll do whatever you want. And then they could spend the first and the fourth on, I don't know defense. why the hell they, yeah, defense. I wouldn't know why they would want to spend it on, Sa- is Saquon Barkley worth a first or? F- no. F- no, I don't, but I don't no, know why people keep talking. So no running back people, is. People, people talk about running backs as, as like, oh, well, you know, uh, Zeke Elliott and uh, uh, Leonard Fournette have proven that running backs are, are worthwhile at the top of the draft again. Go back to two years ago. The Dallas Cowboys, picking towards the top of the draft, picked Zeke Elliott at four, and then in the second round they took that the linebacker, Jalen Smith, right? Yep, who's turned out to be a pretty good ball player. Now look at what the Jaguars took. They took Jalen Ramsey and then Miles Jack. Would you rather have Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack or Jalen Smith and Zeke Elliott? Who has done more for their teams? I mean, you're basically asking me at this point, like, do you want the tomahawk ribeye or do you want the Berkshire pork? I mean, they're both really good options. I don't think it's even close. I don't think it's I mean, even I'd close. Go, I, yeah, I'd seen, no, I've seen the way they played. I would definitely go with the tomahawk rib. Yeah. Well, like, like, Jalen like Ramsey better, is so a clear-cut all-pro cornerback in his second year and was already a star as a rookie. And a shutdown cornerback is worth so much more is so much more valuable to a team than a great starting running back. Yeah, and Miles Jack, as we saw in the AFC Championship, uh, figured out his own matrix this year and became a hell of a good defender. Not yeah. just even in I mean, he's one of the he's an all over the field guy. It's like it's like uh, London having like a, a tougher London Fletcher with a little more size who's on like you know, runs with Tecmo Bowl, Walter Payton speed, or is like at Madden 99. Like he's, yeah. he's great. No, I would, I'd totally go with those two guys. I, I would, I would, so but I just, the option you presented that, though is pre- still pretty solid in Dallas. Oh no, no. Like, like Zeke Elliott and Jalen Smith, totally fine. I just think that when you pick in the top five, if you're picking in the top five, you have glaring needs beyond running back. You're a For bad sure. team. If you're in the mm-hmm. top five, you're a bad team, and you have glaring needs that is not a star running back. No, and, and it's not wide receiver nor tight end either. Joe Thomas yeah. is going to eventually need to get replaced. For all we know, he may join McDonough in the Monday Night Football booth, although I still think he's probably got a couple good years left. I agree. They need help. I'll tell you what. Here's just one of my random hypotheticals that's worth nothing more than the time it'll take for me to say it. I'd have rather had the Cleveland Browns defense against the Eagles in the Super Bowl than the Patriots. Oh, sure. No yeah. way they gave up 41 points. <laughs> I just I just said that. I'm going to hang myself. I mean, at least the Browns have a pass rusher. All right. All right. <laughs> Trey Flowers. Hey, listen. Trey, uh, Trey Flowers had an amazing AFC championship game. Yeah, and he had a hell of a Super Bowl last year, too, but he can't do yeah. it. One mildly undersized defensive end can't do it by himself uh james there's all you need to know about the patriots defense is that james harrison wasn't good enough to play for the steelers and he played 98 percent of the defensive snaps for the patriots and seen yeah Yeah, that's all you need to know wild finish 
wild, wonky, weird, all W words kind of finish to the same sort of unpredictable, uh, just w- 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 as weird a season as any of us can remember for a number of on and off field reasons. Uh, it's crazy. I, the, come Monday, I was like, all right, I am so ready for football to be out of my life. And then you get the McDaniel stuff. And now we're talking here and I'm intrigued about where will Foles go. And I'm already kind of excited for the draft. I'm so glad that there just can't be anything else to talk about or think about football wise for like the next month until free agency opens right before uh, St. Patrick's Day, because we all need that break. But if they if they just announce like, you know what, guys, we're just going to start a new season in March. I'd I'd be psyched. Yeah. I don't know why my appetite for football, like, it should be sated, but it's not, I guess. I don't know. It was, it was a fun finish. It was a great finish uh, to a lousy season. Um, yep. I Next year, I would love for fewer injuries. Uh, I'm over Thursday night football forever. I don't want it to come back. It will. It's going to be moving. It's moving to Fox, right? Yeah, I think Fox has mm-hmm. 11 of the games. Oh, and can I also add to that? I am done with shitty officiating. Yeah, the just figure what's a catch. Just what what's a what's a catch? Just or and can we review penalties? Yes or no? Let's just clearly decide those two and move on. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of sanity check to the catch rule, where if it looks like to the the catch and you think like, if in your like human brain understanding what a catch is, not in not according to the NFL rulebook, but the act of catching an object, the most human understanding you can have of it, if there needs to be some sort of sanity check to that uh, because it's, it's bad. We all know that. Anyway, moving on, um, I think that 2018, I am uh, this year, and I've said this before, was a, was a, great, uh, was a great reminder or a great, uh, you know, clicking a light on to that I enjoy parenting so much more than football. It just makes me, uh, it's got a higher, a much higher floor and a higher ceiling as well. And uh, it really brought into, brought into the forefront of my mind how unhappy football usually makes me. And like, it's actually a pretty right. low ceil- a low ceiling for the joy that I can feel. And I think that this might be the off season where I'm not really following Seahawks news, and I'm I am gonna kind of like I, I'm I'm downshifting my my passion for the team that I grew up rooting for, and I think it's just so that I can be less upset. I can still like mi- that way. I can actually find some happiness when they win, but also not be quite so angry and like filled with loathing for the team that I like when they lose. So I'm going to try to kind of dial it back a little bit and we'll see how that goes. I, it was, uh, not, I was not super successful with it this year, but next year I'm, I'm doing it, man. I'm downshifting points for trying Matt. Yes. Noble effort. I appreciate what you're trying to do. And I tried to, or was forced to do the same over the course of the season. And it may or may not work out for me. And not just because I'm a crazy football fan and love the fantasy and part of what I do professionally is so intricately tied to the welfare and record of my favorite football team. I, I want to do it because 
it just feels like it's the right time of life and the speed at which I'm at. I can't go to bars now. I got two kids, a wife who needs me on the weekends more than ever because I'm so busy during the week. And now my son, who's turning five in a couple of days, I know, a fifth birthday party this weekend, it's insane. Now he's kind of into it a little bit, and now he's liking watching football more. This is special time with him and his dad. He begged to stay up to watch the Super Bowl and fell asleep at the end of the third quarter despite how voluminous and outrageous his dad was. Uh, And so I kind of want to now start having those experiences with him. So this NFL dad thing, I didn't go to a crazy party. I got back from working in Minneapolis. I watched the Super Bowl with wife and kids. And I think getting together and having those crazy days with buckets of Miller lights and, you know, salty snacks of plenty or just diving into all this stuff year round. Like that'll happen on occasion. That's more of a treat for me now. Now it's more like, okay, when it's time to talk about it, consume it. I will. It's a little more family oriented. That's the speed of where I'm at. And I gotta tell you, uh, I dig it. Me too. And part of it too is with the Seahawks not making the playoffs this year, I got to, appreciate it as an not an objective fan but as one without a horse in the in the race and it actually it in it lowered my stress but also improved my overall enjoyment because I would have been miserable through every Seahawks game and also while other teams are playing been thinking about what's going to happen in the Seahawks game and much the same way uh, as when the Supersonics left town uh, there was the extreme pain but now the nba is i can pick and choose whatever i want in the nba to enjoy i can just choose the the teams that are fun to watch and similarly if i can divest myself of the the seahawks insanity i can enjoy the nfl more i'm I'm not going to be like oh i'm not a fan anymore i just need to dial it back because i'm a crazy person and a crazy person can't responsibly raise two children so you got it. I, I'm going to pick my battles, man. I have a body powered completely by nervous energy and a highly addictive nature. And I understand my intense love for something that I don't have to, or rather that the only way I can regulate is by showing some sort of self-control. So I've just got to basically figure out the new parameters by which I consume Patriots and enjoy football now, not just as rabid fan, but as dad and fan. Yeah. And uh, it's a learning curve, man. But you know, you showed yourself the way. You're you're in a different groove now. Yeah, I am. Your team, your, you know, your team's gonna remold itself. Like they've got a lot of crazy offseason uh, changes coming for you guys. The NFC West is also the 49ers are gonna be really good now, and the Rams are good now. The Seahawks might be on the down slope a little bit. Oh, how convenient that Matt decides to just divest himself a little bit or say like yeah it's a good time for transition for me i'll I'll tell you what though like i i get get it but it does dovetail nicely things like like richard sherman is one of my favorite players ever and him tearing his achilles was was like an emotionally devastating for me um this this year like i was genuinely depressed by that and like there's talk of earl thomas holding out there he's like they're saying they might trade him. The Seahawks defensive coordinator, Chris Richard, got fired and is now at Dallas. And Earl Thomas is from Texas and grew up a Cowboys fan. And so I'm like, dog. And got caught on the mic saying, like, come get me this offseason oh, to them. Man. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. And like, I, it would be 
it would be traumatic for me to see Earl Thomas in a Cowboys uniform. That would be, I, I have a that, that pre-barf taste in my mouth just talking about it. <laughs> that metallic oh, acidic taste. It's, I'd have the same thing if it was like, oh, Gronk got an agent and thought it would be easier to retire from the Patriots than unretire and play for the Jets for a year. Uh, or like, yeah, just yeah. No. No. Anyway, so let's let's uh, uh, let's let me just check in with the, the the parenting aspect for you, and then we get we are going to uh, wrap things up because I'm running out of time in the studio here. But fifth birthday party, dog. What's going on? What are the yeah, what man. Are the is it Star Wars themed again, or or have we got a different? Uh, theme? He's we uh, last year's the that you guys were at was the Star Wars theme uh, at a bar in Brooklyn, and boy do I miss those days. But don't worry, I was able to up the stakes by. Uh, having it in a uh, a bowling alley slash pizza parlor slash bar. There is this awesome joint right next to our radio station called Flatbreads, and they have uh, nine bowling lanes, seven downstairs, two in a little private thing upstairs. They make ridiculously good flatbread pizzas, and they have 20 craft beers on tap. So uh, he wanted to go bowling. Uh, and every kid loves pizza, and you can't just t- you can't be the most irresponsible human and take them to a place that just makes French fries. So uh, he he couldn't decide. He's gonna have a cake. It's half chocolate, half vanilla, and it's half Minions, half Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> it is gonna be the biggest fuster cluck of a cake ever, and the we are gonna have Star Wars decorations everywhere, and there is a giant Minion pinata. Also, the half of the Star candy. Wars cake has to be half chocolate and half vanilla. So, so it's got to be, it's got to be, everything's got to be, you know, uh, rotated uh, 90 right. degrees. Uh, it Basically, his cake, ta- his cake, sorry, Matt, is basically the mashup movie that if they made it would make $2 billion, oh. Minions versus Droids. I have never seen. Every parent in America would have to go see it. I have not seen Despicable Me or any of the ensuing movies. Um, and I'm, I, I don't know anything about Minions and I'm trying to keep it that way. It's only a matter of time. I'm just. I, I have <laughs> banana. Listen, it's only a matter the of time. only the only media my children know are the songs to Disney movies and Sesame Street. I'm trying to keep it that keep, way for as long as possible. Keep it that. Keep them. Keep them in. What's the name of that M Night Shyamalan movie? The Village. Yeah. Yeah. yeah keep them. Keep them in that village for as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, the baby. The uh, baby is eight months in. He's awesome. Uh, the, the truest, whether, whether the Patriots won or lost, uh, the gift now is like my, my mornings and evenings are mine again for a while, even though I've got some other work coming up that'll bring me down to New York city for a few weeks and I'll see you in person IRL. But, uh, I get to spend extra time with the family and make up for it. This first week off has been for a guy whose favorite team and favorite player just lost at the last minute in the biggest game. It's been great. I'm so I feel so freaking good right now. It really like uh, taking taking family time and 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 investing your time and energy into your family always delivers returns. In football, that percentage is far lower. Agreed. And I think I just needed to give as much of as I could to work to set myself up for future success, hopefully, after an uncertain 2017. I just feel like so many other things in my life that were, you know, that were plates on poles or that were chainsaws juggled midair 
have either been balanced or have settled or I know how to handle them now better than I did a year ago. And I I like it. I mean, trust me, still, there is nothing resembling balance or equilibrium about me as a whole or as a human. But this is a good this is a good spot. And the fact that I know it's only a couple of weeks until uh, the you know, my backyard isn't a skating rink. Love it. I just I'm the way people are working for the weekend is how I am with like March 22nd. Um, I just got to exit this winter and. I have been so stressed out getting my daughter to preschool because it's, you know, just me with the kids in the morning. I got to get both kids in the stroller. Mm-hmm. And the whole, I've been so stressed out by it that my wife took a morning off to take the kids to preschool so that I wouldn't have to deal with it for one day. And it is one of the top five nicest things that she's ever done for me. Because uh, and it was just... What? Well, you hike across the Brooklyn Yukon. It's an almost 30-minute walk across those dog shit and ice-filled sidewalks, dude. That's rough. And my daughter, who's three, almost three and a half now, is is fully ensconced in the the territory of she uh, has the ability now to take off clothes that she doesn't like. So instead Mm -hmm. of just, like, muscling her into things, she has... The the words and the physical uh, the physical abilities to to fight back and and really really drag those feet if she wants to and oh awesome. it can be intensely frustrating <laughs> and this is this yeah. is while my son uh, is is like a complete angel child I, I am I am of the dawning realization that come May I'm going to have a two year old and a three year old. And I, that's horrifying because I'm going to have a very difficult three-year-old and then the kid who's awesome and a complete angel is going to become extremely difficult. And and it's no fault of his because when the boy, my older son, the one who's turning five, up until two, complete angel. Yeah. And, he's still, and he still is my favorite human being on planet Earth. But somebody pours... Somebody opens the gas tank. Someone opens like the can and just basically pours like a 16 ounce Red Bull into your child. And apparently they don't metabolize it until they're like 13. It's uh... and it just it, it's no fault of theirs. They just it's like being 19 and at college, you know, it's just like you have a lust for other, you know, other naked people and shitty light beer. It's just it's just a it's a part of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It's a it's a difficult stage, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to surviving and and ah, just bring him up to the Cape for a weekend, run him around for a while, let him splash in the water, and then we'll do a that's uh, that's another we'll, thing too we'll because do, it's yeah they're man trapped we'll do inside, a podcast they're not like we put them to bed and they're not tired because they haven't had a chance to run around outside because it's too freaking cold outside. Big plus of the burbs, man. Um, and props to uh, the other half, my lady misses, of the charming music and the good parenting. Shh, the burbs. It's so much easier to bring them to gymnasiums, play centers. Like, she she makes sure to give this kid, like, the same way that if you got a border collie, like, she's trying to get the five to eight miles yeah. in per day with the border collie that is the four now to be five-year-old. And we're also triple super extra careful because of how horrible the flu has been this yeah this year like 
the eight month old doesn't go to play centers. Yeah. He basically gets the equivalent of like a Lysol wipe down or anything that he comes in contact with. You just bathe him in bleach every night just to be safe. It's fine. Yeah. It's totally yeah. fine. I mean, he's already he's so white to begin with. Just because like nothing would kick your 2018 in the dick faster than having an under five year old human being get the flu. Oh, uh, my kids both had flu shots. However, uh, Thursday morning when my wife so very kindly took the day off, she was like, you can sleep in if you want. Well, my wife was in the shower at uh, 642 when my daughter started wailing. And so like needed attention immediately. I run in in my underwear. She is uh, sitting up in bed and there is uh, a puddle of vomit on her on her pajama pants, on the bunnies that she sleeps with, her blanket, and then and then she throws up a second time, like into my hand. All right, okay. And now you're like, great. Now I have the I, virus that makes yeah. the zombie. So, but but it was a uh, it was just like a 24 hour dalliance. She's she's back into it. So I think the flu shot, like it definitely hit her. She was like she had a fever for a day. She was feeling a little bit sick, but yep. um, it, we gave her a little bit of like children's Tylenol, and she was ready to go. Oh, goes a lot, man. Children's Tylenol, God bless it, in all of its bubblegummies, you know, ultra grape form. When I was in Minnesota, actually, I just finished all of my shoots, and I was having a, a beer at a local bar, actually t- having a conversation with a couple of Eagles fans, and we were, like, trying to mend fences and show that, you know, two warring tribes can get along at least over a beer and ball game talk. And I got a call from my wife, and the, the, the eight-month-old had 103 fever. Ugh. And I, it, it, the, and all it was... He for he had a little something that probably in the normal system wouldn't even have registered, mm-hmm. but in the still developing immuno system, gave him a 103 fever for a day, and that was it. But just for a second, I thought, please, dear God, tell me, my wife is not going to have to rush with mother-in-law and five-year-old to the ER, some sort of a yeah ER, and just keep this thing hydrated through like a ho- or on ice for 48 hours. Like, thank God. So, ah, let's all let's all breathe easy. Yeah. Anyway, let's just all breathe easy. So uh, you and I, the podcast is going to take a little hiatus until probably around free agency. We're going to be back in mid-March when the NFL see, with the NFL year, the, the NFL year begins. And uh, there's a little free agency rush and we got some new stuff to talk about. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. get back together over Skype then. Um, but in the meantime, thank you all. The, the, the core, the chosen few who stay with this show for the dad talk and occasional football uh, it's it's always a good time to to share our meandering conversations with all y'all. So thank you for subscribing. Thanks for sharing it with like your one friend. I mean, like I'm just saying that. Did you, did you have to come at them at the end? Like it was a nice little like appreciate y'all for the season. Good love. The base is great, and hopefully we'll get to do it more, and we'll actually keep in touch in the off season. And then like you just had to one well, friend them. I look at the numbers. They're not sharing it with more than one friend. But that one friend, oh, it's just—it's all it takes, yeah. man. Yeah. One friend is all you need to change the, the world. The point is, the point no is, we ever. really appreciate you listening to this trash podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. This is the best. It this is. is the best dad cast this, going. This podcast, even though there is, it's all dads, is the aural equivalent of the uh, the bachelor pad, where like furniture is. Uh, you don't have a frame for your bed. You sleep on a mattress, and uh, mm-hmm. there's like a, definitely a pile of clothes 
that some of them are clean because you did laundry but didn't feel like folding, but then some of them are also dirty because like your clothes hamper is overfilling, overflowing, and and that's yeah. our that's our podcast. We are the we're the bachelor the bachelor pad uh, with like. Uh, a mostly empty pony keg in the corner that you needed to get back to the uh, the liquor store to to get your money back to your deposit back. Do you think I have any problems with our podcast being the equivalent of questionable takeout? Like you've had it in the fridge now for five days, and you're like, I know that's enough time for foodborne illness to to grow underneath that plastic the plastic but top also, in the I tin tray. Also, if I just microwave it a little bit longer, that's going to kill anything that's in there. <laughs> When th- when this shows up in people's feeds, they're probably like, "I shouldn't." I'm not sure what Uf- I'm not sure what Ufford and Stevens are going to give me this week, but this questionable meat might just be delicious enough for this listener. So uh, thank you, yeah, guys. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because like if there's a lot of other things in your fridge, you're not gonna eat the the leftover takeout. You're gonna like just let it sit there a little bit longer and then eventually throw it away. However, if your fridge is empty, if you don't subscribe to a lot of other podcasts. Hey, the inactives is just what you need. <laughs> I am so happy to punch out on a quality food yeah, metaphor. It's, it, we had to we had to check that box. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. You can find Nick online at Ahoy Nick Stevens. Uh, also, his Fitzy YouTube channel. Also, WAAF in Boston. Me, you can find on SB Nation's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash SB Nation. And on the Twitter at Matt Ufford. It's been a joy. It has been uh, a joy talking to Nick and sharing this with you guys and also living through this NFL season. That was good, right? Yeah. Also, we should, you know, I, I, I got it. Yeah. Hey, fuck stress. Man, fuck stress. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Inactives. You can stop now. It's over. <laughs>